welcome back to the Tango Banter. I am Yelizaveta, and this is episode 74. I keep coming back to this cool aspect of having a podcast, especially as a tango dancer, is that I get to meet some of you uh, in person, which has been happening more and more. Random people will come up to me and tell me that they're listeners and that they appreciate uh, hearing my podcast. And and it's, of course, just feels so awesome to be on the receiving end of that kind of appreciation. So, uh, you know, just know that even if I don't get a chance to really stop and chat with you and give you my undivided attention... I really do appreciate knowing that you're there and I appreciate you coming and say hi. Uh, Sometimes it ends up being that I have so many people around me that I don't get a chance to really zero in on every single person. Uh, But it's really great to connect with so many of you. And one of the things that I keep hearing this comment uh, from many of you is that the thing that you appreciate about this podcast is that I'm talking about things that everybody's thinking about, but nobody's really saying anything. That it's stuff that that's on everybody's minds, but we either don't know how to talk about it or we don't talk about it because there's fears around it or there's not really a, a context for something like that. Uh, we don't have an opportunity for it. And so that's what a lot of you are appreciating is that I am being uh, pretty candid about uh, some of the emotional realities of tango and my own experiences. And to tell you the truth, that was exactly the purpose of the podcast uh, in a way. For me personally, I felt like the image of tango that is being broadcasted to the world is so at odds with the reality of what it's like and really the birth of of this idea of, of sort of taking the time to reveal what it really is like to be a dancer and to be part of this culture and what kinds of things you experience. It was born uh, a few years ago when I was attending an event uh, in Seattle uh, called Las Mujeres Tango Marathon, one of the best events that I've ever attended. Uh, It was an event that was put on for, I think, three or four years, and uh, it's not going on anymore, unfortunately, but hopefully maybe one day it will resurrect. But uh, I was at this event, and I was having a conversation with someone, and I said, you know, the thing that I'm seeing in front of me right now, which I was observing, all these beautiful people dancing, and it was just the atmosphere was so great. It was, it's a very casual, it was a very casual event. It was very friendly. It was very progressive in terms of uh, gender roles, right? It was like women were leading, men were following. So as I was looking out on the dance floor, I was thinking to myself, gosh, this is the thing that I want to show to the world. This is, you know, that that it's so human, like that there's so much space for so many different kinds of people to come into tango. Uh, but the reality is that the image of tango that, that's being put out there is so opposite of that. People don't get to see that, you know, the people who dance tango are just like 
normal everyday people <laughs> a lot of times it's not like we're all trained dancers who really have some sort of uh genius in us you know uh so that was the kernel of this desire and it seemed like uh starting a long term conversation on the subject via this medium of podcasting and uh zoom and, and and doing things online really felt like uh a tool that could be used to to you know to really connect with other people and to perhaps actually get some momentum and traction to affect change and to promote different types of mindset shifts and so one of the the biggest things was this idea of like me being really honest about what it's like and not pretending that it's amazing or uh not sensationalizing it but making it into this very real uh human experience. So this has been my journey in tango. This is the journey that I'm sharing through my podcast. And what I've noticed with all of you, uh, so many of you have joined my private Facebook group and I have a little questionnaire when you join. One of the questions is why do you want to join this group? And for most of you who join, you say that you want to connect with people, you want to have real conversation, you want to understand better the culture of tango, to have a place where you can get advice or to get other perspectives. and as i was thinking about it um you know with this group that i've had since covid i came up with this idea of doing live banters uh so if you're in the group you get to attend my live banters inside that private facebook group on fridays and so many of you end up joining that those sessions and sharing your stories so a lot of the ideas that i'm now sort of getting for my discussions are really coming from uh all of you sharing your experiences and and sort of taking on that same attitude of just revealing what's really happening for you and for many of you that gives you a feeling of camaraderie uh whether it's with me when you share a story with me via an email or message on social media or in the community when you join live and you can kind of expose some of the stuff that's difficult for you i realized recently that for many listeners uh facebook is not an ideal platform for you and you might be very interested in joining my live sessions but you don't like the idea of being on facebook so i've started recently experimenting with broadcasting my live sessions on youtube and uh via riverside platform which is my uh podcasting platform uh they have their own Uh, software that you can use to join my my live sessions. So, 
if there are those of you who really want to join me live and you want to know when those live sessions are, um, the best way to do this, if you don't want to join my Facebook group because you're like not into Facebook, which is totally understandable, I would suggest is to get on my mailing list because every Friday I send out all of those links and I send out reminders and that way you always know when those are coming up. Uh, so if you want to join those conversations, they're really fun uh, and we have uh, some really great topics that we cover. So it's a way for you to really participate in the dialogue, ongoing dialogue on this thing called Tango. So last week's episode, you know, with uh, Oliver Kalker, which many of you have commented on how amazing it was. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you should. It's, it's so fun. Um, Oliver pointed out that Tango is sort of a very niche market, that it's very small. And one of the reasons he said is because tango is so hard. To learn tango, it's not like salsa, it's not bachata. There's just like so many bells and whistles. And I think that is true, that is true. And one of the biggest obstacles that beginner tango dancers uh, face is that they're just not prepared to confront a lot of the emotional challenges that come up. And, you know, there's a lot of jokes and stories about how long beginners have to endure before it gets pleasurable, especially for leaders. Uh, typically, followers can get it pretty quickly and they can enjoy themselves much more quickly, you know, within maybe weeks. Uh, whereas for leaders, a lot of times it's months and months of, of real labor. And it might not even be labor in terms of vocabulary, of learning different uh, moves. That might not be the issue. And it might not even be the musicality, which sometimes is, you know, something that takes a while to develop. But, you know, as long as you learn to walk on the rhythm, you're, you're pretty okay. And most people can do that, you know, nine people out of ten. Um, but really, it's the mindset, um, because a lot of people who come into tango, and they might be of the mindset of like, oh, it's just about learning a few moves, and then you execute those moves, and, and then that's it. And, and I'm just going to dance the way I would if I went to salsa, where they teach me this pattern, and I just do this pattern over and over again to the beat. And many, many dancers of other traditions like ballroom, blues, swing, you know, they end up coming to tango and suddenly they're like, oh my God, what is this? And there's a real struggle there. And one of the questions that I frequently hear from these dancers, like the dancers who are coming in and they're like, oh my God, this is so difficult, is they'll say like, when does it get better? You know, when, when does it actually get to the point where, number one, I'm having fun, uh, I'm confident, I'm not sweating bullets, I'm, I'm not uh, insecure, I'm not panicking. Uh, when, when does it get better? When do I get to this place? And they might look at me as someone who's like been there, you know, I've been dancing since 2009, so they, 
they might look to me and, and assume that I'm at this place where I have it all under control, that it's totally chill, that, uh, you know, I'm at this level where things are just super easy and I don't have any issues whatsoever. If I have a conversation with someone about this, typically they're really surprised. <laughs> they're even shocked to find out that that's not the case. Anytime that I admit to that still to this day, I'm really bad at remembering patterns. Like if I go to a class and somebody teaches me a pattern as a leader, chances are I'm not going to remember it. <laughs> it's so difficult for me. And I still, to this day, sometimes get on the dance floor as a leader and I feel like I don't have a lot to offer, that I'm not that great of a dancer, that I'm not really that interesting, I have very limited vocabulary. Like I still have those emotions and people really are taken aback by that. So the reality is that shock that we feel <laughs> and the emotions that come from that struggle of learning tango when we first get there, you know, those emotions, they don't really go away necessarily. We change in response to them and they serve as catalysts for change of different kinds. For some, it basically pushes them out of tango. They just, they just can't handle it. You know, it's just too much. It's too stressful. There's just too much involved and they just can't do it. For others, it's, it kind of pushes them into it. So I've noticed for people who really love uh, puzzles or they love problem solving, they really like the process of learning something and going from that place of being totally lost to then getting proficient and then maybe mastering. They like those personality types really love getting into tango, but there's not that there's not as many of those, right? Like the majority of people uh, might not volunteer to go through the rigor uh, of what it means to start leading in tango, which can be just psychologically very difficult. So I always say that Every dancer in tango has to develop three very different skill sets. One has to do with movement. You have to understand the movement patterns, the principles of how to move around your partner. The second one has to do with musicality. That's like a totally separate skill set. It's like really learning how to take the movements, take the alphabet of movements that you learn and learn how to fit them into musical patterns that you're hearing. It's a very sophisticated skill that every tango dancer has to develop at some point in order to progress towards uh, really advancing to those next levels. But really, you can have both of those figured out and still, still be miserable as a tango dancer if you don't have the mindset. And recently, I've actually been taken aback by how many cases of um, this state that I hear about from other dancers where they're at the tango event, they're dancing, they look like they're having fun, but later they actually admit to 
really being depressed and hating their tango and being completely bored. <laughs> and these are like really incredible dancers. You look at them on the dance floor and you're thinking, oh my God, if I could only dance like that. Uh, but the reality is a lot of times there's this sort of malaise or some sort of like cloud over their heads where they're, they're very depressed about something. And so it's this mindset piece that they might have the musicality, they might have the movement, but the mindset is what's really holding them back from experiencing the tango that they really want or being happy. Now I'm talking about this word mindset and what is really mindset? Now it's a, it's a word that's been floating about a lot, I will, I will say. So I'm gonna be really specific here what I mean by mindset. In my understanding, a mindset is a combination of beliefs and the emotions that those beliefs carry with them. So if I believe that I don't measure up in some way and that I'm not beautiful in a particular way, let's say, I think that someone else is much more attractive. I used, to, I used to have this mindset. I believed this about myself. There were certain women that I felt were so much more beautiful than me that I didn't measure up. And I had this belief about myself. And because I believed that, there was, certain, there was a set of emotions that I felt when beautiful women were around me. I immediately felt very threatened. I've talked about this at length. I felt very uncomfortable. I uh, always would sort of feel more comfortable around men versus being around women because being around women would trigger this belief in me and the emotion that came with it. So I, I tried to eliminate the possibility of being in situations where I had to feel that, right? It's a very human thing to want to relieve that, that discomfort. So in my daily life, any time that I was around beautiful women, I would just leave. <laughs> I would just not be around them. <laughs> I, I didn't seek their company. I didn't make friends with them. I just felt like they're too cool for me. Okay, that's it. So that's in my daily life. Now, when I started tango, here I am surrounded a lot of times by beautiful women. And it, so this, this fact, this, experience in tango brought me face to face with my belief and the emotion that comes with that belief. And why would I stay? Why would I not leave? Because typically in daily life, I would avoid these kinds of experiences. I, I would try to eliminate that experience. I would run from it. But, you know, when you get into tango and you experience the, the high that is the tango high, the tangasm as they call it, it is that powerful that you are willing to endure these very difficult and uncomfortable places in yourself because you know that possibly you might score tonight you might score that experience with someone and it's worth it's worth the struggle so you have an incentive 
that then keeps you in these uncomfortable situations. And if you do it long enough, you start learning by just by virtue of being around it. You can't help it. You know, beautiful women are not going anywhere. They're always going to be there. For me, I, I had that aha moment. I was dating someone and this person was like flirting with women right in front of me. And it was, it, I mean, it made my blood boil. Oh, right in front of me. And the cuteness of what I felt, because of course I felt all the feelings of not being good enough for him and not measuring up. But also feeling so disempowered by that belief at the same time, really knowing that that belief is driving a lot of suffering in me. So at some point, at some point inside myself, I decided that instead of making the woman my enemy, I was going to befriend them. <laughs> I committed. It was, it was a rule I set every single woman that he started flirting with. I made friends with her. And that was such a good strategy. It was amazing. It was amazing. I learned so much from that. So in my personal journey, this was like, you know, a really big shift in my maturity and my emotional stamina, let's say. So I got better, right? And nowadays, do I still feel threatened by beautiful women when they come into the room? <laughs> Hell yeah. Absolutely. That, that emotion still rises up because I think... That's what it's like. That's what it's like to constantly be in the world and experience new things. So I wanna go through just a handful of very common experiences that people have shared with me over the last few months. They're common enough um, and the conversations are like consistently similar that I decided to share these particular experiences. My hope is that this might be a reassurance for you that if you feel that there's something wrong with you or your attitude or there's something that's holding you back because you don't feel that you measure up in some way, just realize you're not alone. You know, a lot of people who leave tango, they, they leave because they feel alone. They feel like nobody else has the same struggles. Uh, but the reality is that it, it's actually the same for everyone and everybody's at very different stages of development and their emotional maturity and they have very different ways that they're dealing with uh, certain feelings. Uh, so like for me, my behavior of running from connection, right, saying no to connecting with beautiful women because I felt so insecure there, I'm sure, I am certain there were women back then who were like looking at me going, what's her problem? <laughs> Why is she such a bitch? <laughs> like, I am certain of this. Um, because I've done it with others, actually. There was, there was a, uh, one woman in a community that uh, had what I would call the most stereotypical resting bitch face you can imagine. Like she had a scowl on her face. 
she looked so bored when she was at tango events and she looked so unenthusiastic about being there that you'd think like why why are you even here like you couldn't even say hello to her she just looked so unfriendly but she ended up becoming a very good friend of mine and i learned that it had very much to do with just mindset on her part that she actually didn't feel like anybody wanted to talk to her and she um, felt like she didn't measure up in some way. She felt like she didn't fit in, you know? And it was like, wow, you of all people, if you're like this amazing dancer, how can you feel this way? What does that mean for me? Uh, so so these, these um, several feeling types that I'm gonna list, I think are gonna resonate with you in different levels. And I'm curious which one you feel you're experiencing the most or the one that you've overcome recently that you um, feel has made a huge impact on your dance. So if you want to share with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can uh, join the group, join, join the live discussions, uh, or just reach out to me on social media at I am so tango. So number one, universal feeling i think i mean maybe there are people who don't feel this but not good enough in some way is something that constantly plagues dancers and it's so sneaky it's so sneaky sometimes it makes you turn away from uh, particular dances particular people just because you feel there's no way in the world you're good enough for them. I've, I've done that. Other people have come to me and said that, that, you know, they feel like they're not good enough to dance with me and uh, they wouldn't want to submit me to their lack of skill. This feeling of not being good enough in some way, I think always is just right there. It's, it's sitting right next to you. Uh, to me, I almost laugh at like how it shows up and, and what I'm going to use to accentuate that. And sometimes it's like, yeah, like as if my technique is not good as good as someone else's or that I still don't understand some piece about tango and therefore I'm not really that good. I can't really claim to be very good. Um... It's, it's a lot of sneaky thoughts like that that I think we just live with uh, because we started thinking those thoughts many, many years ago, perhaps even as kids. So typically when we are adults, we will do whatever we can to not confront that feeling, right? But in tango, it sort of pushes you to interact with it on different days, right? Sometimes you go in and you feel awesome right? And other days you go in and there's just this funk and you don't feel good about yourself and you're wondering what's wrong with you and why did you get into tango in the first place? And, and then you might think like, what's wrong with me? If I, if I really was supposed to be dancing tango, I wouldn't feel this way. But the reality is like, that's the cycle. That's the cycle. It's like we're witnessing all these aspects of our own beliefs of what we feel about ourselves. And you know, this not good enough feeling sits very close to this other one, which is kind of this 
overwhelm and confusion. Very common for leaders, especially at the beginning. You know, just just feeling so in over your head that it's like, man, it's just never going to happen for me. There's just no way. It's kind of futile. Um, sometimes, you know, you'll watch a performance or some virtuoso dancer and you just think to yourself, man, there's just no hope for me. Like there's, I, I, I need to just go ahead and put my shoes down forever. Now for some people, they get inspired by that. I realized that for some people it's like, yeah, let's, let's work even harder. Um, but for some people it kind of triggers that belief that there is no way that they can move like that. And that might be true, but because they can't move like that, it might mean that they can never be a good dancer. And because of that, it's just like, let's just give up, you know? And that's like a different kind of belief, right? That's the belief that in order to be considered good, you're supposed to look a certain way or move a certain way. And many, many dancers hold those, those ideas in their minds. They sort of unconsciously sign up uh, to carry around certain images in their head and saying, until I look like that, I am not considered a good dancer. Until, until I get, get validation through, you know, this person wanting to dance with me or that teacher telling me that I'm good, that there's no way that I could be a good dancer. So that's a belief that's, that's very limiting. And I think that when we, we become so narrow in our definition of what it means to be a dancer, when we really hone in on a very narrow direction, uh, typically like only studying with one teacher and really diving into a very specific aspect of tango, it, it actually can become really, really overwhelming because um, it, it gives this impression that tango, to dance tango means that you're supposed to be of this virtuosic level that you know, only dancers who dance in Buenos Aires for eight months a year and practice with the best partners can achieve. And so why would you continue tango, you know? So this feeling of confusion and overwhelm um, kind of creeps up on you. And it can creep up based on your development, right? For For somebody who gets some of the initial aspects of tango under their belt, for them, the overwhelm might come from entering the social dance floor and really dancing at milongas and then festivals and marathons and maybe then going abroad. And each time there's a demand for learning to deal with the overwhelm. And uh, for women, for men, it's very different, of course. Now, the other feeling that's very common that comes up and, and I think is probably the most informative to me. I've learned the most from this particular feeling and it's nasty. Oh, I just, I really dislike feeling this way. 
but I do, and most people do as well, and that's jealous. You know, just jealous. Jealous that somebody gets to dance with someone, or jealous that somebody looks a certain way, and jealous of opportunities somebody's getting. Most of the time, I realized for me, whenever I feel jealous, I automatically ask myself, what is it that I'm really wanting that I, I'm not allowing myself to have? I'm like, I'm not allowing myself even the possibility that I could have that. So an example would be early on, I would attend uh, Milongas in Portland and there was a particular dancer. This is right around the time I was moving there. There was this particular young dancer who was just so cute and she just wore the funnest outfit and she was really cute and sexy and she had this, I don't know, this youthfulness about her and charm. Everybody wanted to be around her. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous that she gets all this attention and she gets to wear those clothes. How dare she? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there seething, you know? And in a way, it's like what she was reflecting is something that I wanted to see in myself. And I couldn't imagine myself like that. So she was inciting this feeling of jealousy in me. But it really was about that I wanted to feel that way. And I didn't feel that way about myself. And the jealousy was just a reflection that I didn't. I didn't have that, um, that permission in myself. I was holding myself back in a certain way. So today, my jealousy still happens, but it happens at a very different scale. There are very different things that I want in my life. Um, I have new benchmarks. I have new challenges that make me feel that jealousy where I look at someone else and I'm like, oh, how did how did they figure it out? I want this, but I, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm good enough, you know? So, you know, this is the thing that jealousy shows us a lot of times. So I would say if you find yourself feeling something like that, whether it's very physically driven, like some something about some attribute of someone like you look at someone like oh god I really wish I could dance like that and so certain so many dancers say that right I say that I wish I could dance like that I'm so jealous of how they dance immediately you know ask yourself what is it that you're actually seeing in that dancer articulate it like put it concretely into into words it's the grace of their movement. It's how they show their musicality. It's how they're transferring their weight. It's like they look like they're floating. It's the control they have. Like find ways to describe it. And then as you read back to yourself, these words, the description, understand that the reason why you're seeing those is because that's how you are prone to dancing. That's your own natural progression of your dance you are seeing something that you already have in a certain raw form in your dance 
So in that way, anytime you feel jealous, it can be a little, little clue. It can be like, oh, what is it? What is it? Is it the, you know, the fact that they're dancing a certain type of musicality and you see it and you say to yourself, oh, I, I'm jealous of their musicality. I want to dance like that. I want my musicality to be like that. And because I'm recognizing it and I'm seeing it, that means that I already have it. Otherwise I wouldn't see it, you know? So whatever I was seeing in that girl at first, whatever energy I was assigning, whatever meaning I was assigning to what I was perceiving about her was something I wanted to see in myself. And that's what I am now. I still am that, you know, like, I've, I've grown into that image of myself. I've created this persona around my dance and tango. And it's, a, it's been a really fun process because it's really been developing over the last decade, you know, that I've been growing as a dancer. Now, along with jealousy, you know, we have this other um, very unpopular and uncomfortable feeling. And it's this whole air of judginess, being kind of judgy. And it's sort of like you're sitting there and you're just thinking there's nobody good here. <laughs> there's nobody here I wanna dance with. Um, it's, it's kind of like silently passing on criticism or maybe even vocalizing it. And I've been there, I've done it. Um, sometimes it's almost like we wanna use the judginess to make ourselves feel better. Uh, you know, you might be like, oh, at least I don't dance like that. At least I'm not like that person. <laughs> you know, like it happens, you have that feeling. And, uh, you know, sometimes it feels good. It feels good to just have that little bit of ego boost. And it's kind of like the only thing that makes you feel better that night. And I decided that it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we're just judgy. I sort of, um, I've personalized this, this part of myself and I call it my badger self. You know, badgers, badgers are some of the most temperamental animals they live underground and they are so vicious they're they're very small but they're so vicious and they're so angry that they will scare off bears like full-grown bears will run away from them and these creatures are tiny but they're absolutely vicious and they sound like the tasmanian devil like that kind of sound that raw sound and when they actually mate, like once a year for a couple of weeks, they'll get together with the mate and then they will like kick the mate out after a few days. They will like basically kill them if they stay. It's like very, very violent animal. So to me, that's kind of what my judgy personality is. It's like a badger, you know? And we all know there is that time of the month for every woman. Most women, I should say. Some have been blessed. I'm not dealing with the consequences of this, but there are times of the month that the badger, uh, the badger self comes out, you know, and I'm at the Malanga and I'm just like, ugh, it's 
is terrible and this is bad and this is bad and I'm I'm so much better than that and I'm you know this is not as good as it could be and you just you're judgy and I think that um, everybody feels that way sometimes you know and it's in those times that I seek out my best girlfriends who can just let me uh, do a little bit of bitching and just let it out and kind of you know offload some of this but in this very private way where it's just me bantering with my girlfriends and it helps it really helps to have an outlet for that finally uh, I'm gonna share one that I've been hearing a lot from dancers and that is this kind of overall funk with tango and being very bored with it I have to say I feel this quite frequently probably every three to four five months I will get to this place where I'll just be like why am I doing this can I just maybe find something else and it's in those times that I'm like god damn it I have this podcast I have all the social media I'm doing on Bob Tango and I don't even know if I want to continue doing it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's I call it the dark night of the soul, you know? Can't help it. Whenever I, you see me sort of skip a beat and not post a fresh brand new episode or miss a day on my social media, it's typically because of that where I'm like, man... I'm just bored. I'm bored out of my mind with what I'm doing. I don't like it. I don't like tango. I don't like the music. Um, I don't care to go dancing. And I'm here to tell you, this is just part of a cycle. I've realized this now with myself. It's a necessary phase. And what I do these days whenever I feel this way is immediately set aside whatever I had to do and do something completely different. For me, the solution has been house projects. So whenever I start feeling that funk with tango and I don't really want to dance, I just give myself permission to not dance. Don't go out. Don't dance. Don't go to the Malanga. Just stay in and do a house project, you know, uh, find something else. Give yourself a break. Uh, do some other activities, hang out with friends, watch some movies. Um, this is where I just love connecting with people in tango and forming friendships because then you can just sort of call each other up and say, hey, come over for a movie or come over to my house and hang out. And it's sort of you're still connected to the community. You're still within the tango sphere you probably end up talking about tango the whole time, which is honestly the funniest thing about tango dancers. Is we This is all we talk about. We only talk about tango. <laughs> like last night I was hanging out with a friend. 95% of the conversation was her sharing with me what's been going on and different things that happen with different people. And, and um, it's endlessly interesting. It's endlessly fascinating, you know. I don't know why. But uh, a lot of times, you know, this is what I needed uh, rather than going out dancing. You know, we needed to just chill and watch a movie. And a lot of times if you allow that to happen without any judgment, because 
you know, you might, uh, some people have a judgment about it. It's like, I don't understand what's wrong with me. Why am I bored? I'm doing something wrong. It's because I'm not progressing enough or I'm not doing enough classes or I'm not, I should be doing this or that. I should be improving. I'm not a good student. Like you might have all these judgments, but the reality is you just need a break. You know, sometimes your brain just goes, oh my God, I'm so bored with this. I'm so bored with this. Let me have something else to do. So these few, I'm sure there's so many more, uh, but these few feelings, these few categories of emotions uh, are very common. And I think what unifies everyone who came up to me to, to share stories around these emotions in the last few weeks People come up to me and they're sharing their story in this way that they're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not the only one who feels this way. <laughs> and so I thought I would uh, really dedicate a whole episode to this idea that, yeah, you're not the only one. And this is just scratching the surface. I'm sure there's like so many more permutations of uh, these kinds of uh, feelings and I encourage you to share your stories with me uh, inside my Facebook group or uh, through social media. Love hearing from you. Uh, so hope you enjoyed this little banter. Stay in touch and I hope you have a great week ahead of you. We'll continue our banter next week. Until then, ciao.